0: What's happening, family? Happy Sabbath. How are you guys doing? It is another Sabbath and we come back to try to get a little little more inspiration this morning. And we are in a series called Faith Under Fire. So last week I beat on the concept of faith-finding mission. And how I encapsulated the message was take a promise of God. And that promise, allow it to be experienced in your life and to see truly what God has promised. Because when you connect with God, you begin to see that what He has promised becomes real. So this week I took one promise and the promise, uh, was if you are anxious about anything, pray about it and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. So I took that promise and Every time I was stressed about something or I was, I was in, a, in a difficult situation, I prayed that prayer and I said, God, give me peace. Now, there were times I got peace. There were times I didn't get peace. And the real issue was really with me, but I really experienced that. So uh, building upon last week's message, I want to tell you that if you truly test God, you're going to see that God means what he says. So today I want to continue the series and I want to read from chapter 14. We were in Numbers 13 last week. If you just flip with me to Numbers chapter 14, that is where the passage is going to be coming from. We're actually continuing the story. And as you know that this series is uh, focusing on the man called Caleb. It is a biographical series. So I want to read Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. The Word of God says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. It was um, an interesting situation. And all the congregation and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, Or if we had died in this wilderness, if only, only we had died. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Why is God being bad to us? That our wives and children should come, should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Mm -mm -mm. They want to go back to their past. So they said to one another, verse 4, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Who were among those who had spied out the land that tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying. The land we passed through to spy out is an exceeding good land. Mm, 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 mm. What God gives you is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Listen to that again. Mm, We need bread right now. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And verse number 10. The last verse. And all the congregation said... To stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. I want to propose to you this simple idea this morning. There is power in presence. There is power in presence. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. And we pray that you would give us the power. Of presence in Jesus name I pray amen so I was looking for sermon material yesterday to add to this message and the upon this TED talk by Lisa Tran called the power of discontent According to Risa Tran, she says that the power of discontent fuels you to want more. When you are discontent, you are fueled to want more. You see, Risa Tran, growing up in Aussie, was working as a pharmacist. A stable job, uh, specific hours of the day, and a, a steady paycheck. But she felt dissatisfied. She felt discontent. And therefore she decided uh, to quit her stable job. And she entered the uncertainty of trying to be your own boss. 80 employees later, Lisa Tran had established her business. But then she also struggled Being her own boss because she would wake up a lot of times thinking and feeling discontent. She thought that being her own boss would give her the life that she wanted. She thought being her own boss would make her be happy, would bring to her happiness. But many times she would wake up crying and and, and weeping because she was not content and because of the discontent, she decided to open a second business. Because she understood that if I just remain with this one business, I will never be happy. Therefore, I need to achieve another milestone in my life. You see, what Lister Tran teaches me is that we need to be discontent with a cause. That is, we need to be discontent with our situation, we need to be discontent with our development, we need to be discontent with our careers, we need to be discontent with what's going on for the sake of improvement. That is, I wanna do better. That is, I wanna be better. That is what, that is, I wanna achieve better. That is, I'm not satisfied with my current position right now. I'm not satisfied with the attainments that I have right now. I can do better. The version of me today should not be the same version that I enter tomorrow with. The version I entered with this month should not be the same version I entered with, I will enter with next month. What that is, I will never be satisfied by being the way I am. I will always find ways, I will always find means to improve So I agree with Lisa Tran when she says that is the power of discontent because it propels you to do better. It propels you to be better and you're not satisfied. So you're always ambitious trying to do the best that you can. And I believe that as Christians, uh, we need to do that. I believe that as people who are educated, I believe that as people who are are, are in a career, we need to always improve. We should not be satisfied. That is what I call discontentment uh, with a cause. But we need uh, to be careful because a discontentment can be addictive. That is, you are never satisfied to the point that you never appreciate what you have. That is, you're constantly trying to find something to keep you happy. And if you look at Risa Tran's story, you discover that she always wanted the next thing because she was never happy with what she had achieved. There has to be a time and place where you say, you know what? I have gotten this achievement. I've gotten this degree. I've gotten this promotion. My family has become healthy. We have gotten a new home. We're in a new situation. There has to be a moment where you say, Lord, thank you. Because you understand contentment with godliness is great gain. So we have to be careful that we do not become discontent without a cause. That is never never being satisfied with what you have simply because you're not satisfied with it. Let me explain what discontentment without a cause really looks like. That is you got this new phone, but the moment you got this new phone, you're trying to get the next one. You bought the new pair of shoes, but you wore them a day and you're like, nah, I want another pair. So when you are discontent without a cause is you don't appreciate what you have and you want more for the sake of simply wanting more. And this is dangerous because discontentment without cause can derail faith. Discontentment without, with discontentment without a cause is what I call a flame of faith that I believe many of us need to distinguish in our lives. We need to extinguish in our lives because we are so discontent. We are not happy with things that are going on around us. And we are complaining. We're murmuring. And God is saying, I have given you the job. I've given you the family. I've given you the place. Can you not be happy with what you have? Discontentment without a cause. You see, discontent without a cause makes you grumble and mumble at the good things that God has given you. I came across uh, an African artist and he was singing a song talking about discontent. And it really struck me. And I want to share that with you. This is what he says. The grass is greener on the other side. Don't we always believe that? The grass is greener on the other side. Then he says, that's what I thought before I took the ride. I burned my bridges so I never looked back. But if I had known the life I was searching for is looking is looking me right in the eye. If I had known the life I was searching for was already mine. He <laughs> said, if I had known The very thing that I needed and I wanted was right in front of me. If I had known the very life that I was searching for was already my own. And that's the problem with discontentment without a cause. Because it makes you think you need to look on the other side. But when you take the ride on the greener pasture or on the greener side, you discover, oh my goodness, what I really had, what I wanted... What I was looking for was already there. And so we need to understand this morning that we must be careful with, with discontentment without a cause. So the 10 spies, they catch the flu of discontentment. They don't take time to, to sanitize their doubts. They don't take time to mask up. They don't, they don't take time to wash their hands. They don't take time to, d- Quarantine their their discouragement, and because of their flu of discontent, they contaminate the whole nation. Many people in the nation become contaminated by a discontent because when you are discontent and when you are when you have this flu of discontent, what it happens is what happens is others catch it as well. And and the people are discontent because they're disappointed by God. Now, you see, to be discontent and to be disappointed by God is like not wishing for the sun to shine. It doesn't make sense because God is always good. But they're discontent because somehow the things that God has been doing in their life, where God has been leading them, has not been according to their expectation and to their wishes. And so they are. They are sick with the flu, the virus of discontent. And now what we need to do is to simply look at the KPI of God for the people of Israel at this point. We need to consider the key performance indicators of God's actions toward the Israelites at this particular moment. Let's look at one, uh, performance, uh, KPI that God had achieved. Uh, We know that the children of Israel were, were in Egypt under bondage under Pharaoh. And they prayed and they prayed to God, Lord, deliver us. And God sent this man called Moses. Moses went, plagues went down, and, 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 and they were, they were, they were freed from Egypt. And Pharaoh is chasing after them and, and they're crying, they're wondering, Lord, are we going to survive? Are we going to make it? And God says, yes, you're going to make it because I got your back. And so we read the text, is very clear that God told Moses, stretch out your rod. And Moses stretched out his rod and there the sea parted and they walked on dry ground. So when they looked at the key performance indicators of God, God had been performing God had been doing his job. They had no reason to be discontent with the work and the job of God. Because when they looked at their past, (laughs) when they look at their past, they saw good things. And so I want to suggest to you that when you are suffering under discontentment without a cause, you need to consider the planes of time. You see, the planes of time go in three phases. It talks The plane of time, the first one is the past. Then you have the present, then you have the future. And each one of us has been in this plane today. At 6 a.m., you woke up, you, you, you prayed or you did whatever your routine was. That is the past plane. That is gone. When you now consider this present moment, you're listening to a sermon, I'm talking to you, that is the present plane. Now, when you consider the future plane, that is about 1 p.m., 2 p.m., you'll be in another plane. And so we live life in the planes of time. When the Israelites would just take a moment and consider the planes of time in relation to what God had been doing in their life. In the past, they saw liberation from Egypt. In the present, they saw God's provision through manna, through a cloud by day and a fire by night. And in the future, they saw possession of the land of promise called Canaan. And so everything around them showed that God is for us, that God is looking out for us. And that's what you need to do when you're going through struggle and challenges. That is, you need to deal with your discontent in the planes of time. What has God done for me in the past? What has God done for me in the present? What has God done for me or will do for me in the future? Oh, I have news for you this morning. Because what God has done in the past and what God has done now is a sign of what god is going to do in the future what god has done in your past is what is going to be in the present and my friend for your future and so when you look at your life in the planes of time you begin to see that god has been so good uh, to you and unfortunately that the children of israel did not look at their situation with the planes of time and they threw a pity party they lifted up their voices and cried and wept that night did anyone attack them no were they hungry no manna was falling every day was there leadership Moses Aaron was there was there the presence of god yeah, this pity party was not necessary because everything that God had done for them up to this point should not have caused them to panic or to complain. It should have caused them to praise. They should have taken this moment and said, you know what, God, God, you are on our side. And because you are on our side, we are not going to complain But here is the thing. Their discontent came because of discomfort. They didn't like the fact that God asked them to sweat a little bit and possess the land of promise, Pastor Johannes. They didn't like the fact that they would have to put on armor they'd have to carry swords the fact that they would have to organize into military troops and actually fight they didn't like the fact that they had to do their part (laughs) they didn't like the fact that they had to get involved so they were uncomfortable because of the plan that god had put forth and therefore because they were uncomfortable they became discontent my brother and my sister hear me carefully today some things that we're complaining about we shouldn't be complaining about we shouldn't be discontent about because it's simply discomfort but i have news for you that in the path of faith it's not going to be smooth it's going to have gravel in it if you know anything about walking in a gravel road is that as you're walking you might feel the gravel on the bottom of your feet and sometimes if you're wearing shoes rubber shoes the gravel will get stuck in between your shoes Sometimes you got to take it out, but you keep on walking. And eventually, listen to me, listen to me, is that you get used to it. They were uncomfortable. They became spiritual crybabies. Not everything, Pastor Johannes, listen to me, needs your tears. Not everything needs you to cry about. Not everything, you got to cry about it. Too many of us, unfortunately, we are spiritual crybabies. And here, the people of God, they are crying for something they shouldn't be crying about. Nothing has gone wrong. Everything is fine. It's just a little, a little uneasiness. But you know what happens is that when you are discontent, you find ways to, to project your discontentment on others. And so what we have is that the people of God they they go to the leadership. They complain against the leadership and, and, and they go to Moses and, 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 and Aaron and, and, and they say to Moses and Aaron, you know what? Um, I think, I think it would have been better for us to die in in Egypt i mean it would have been better for us to die right here right now i'm wondering to myself what 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 makes them say this about themselves because you know when you're panicking you magnify the problem and you can say things that do not make sense. Can you imagine them telling telling this to Moses? It would have been better if we had died in Egypt. But you were crying in Egypt. Egypt was your hurtful past. Egypt was a place you didn't want to be. You were sad. You were, you were angry. Now you are saying you wish you would have been dead in that place. And you wish that you would have been dead now. And notice what they say to, uh, to, to, to Moses. They say, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by swords? that our wives and children should become victims, would it not be better for us to turn to Egypt? Notice their discontent is making them question the motives of God. Mm. God is not good to us. God is not interested in our help. He's interested in our hurt. God is not interested in our help. God is interested in our harm. God is not thinking good for me. God is not thinking uh, the best for me. God doesn't have me at his heart. God wants to bring me to destruction. He should have left me in Egypt, I was fine in Egypt, yes I was suffering lashes of taskmasters, yes I had to meet unrealistic goals and demands, yes there was a tyrant called Pharaoh and an authoritarian man and he he, he wanted to destroy us, He was he was putting us in labor to exterminate our nation but Lord that was much much better for me than what you're putting me through right now So when you are discontent, you're really questioning the motives of God for your life. You are saying, God is not good for me. Forgetting that God always thinks the very best for us, that he wants to give us a future and a hope. But unfortunately, discontent becomes like blinders on our eyes that we don't see the light that God has been leading us in. All we see is darkness in spite of all the evidence around us of the goodness of God. A young pastor reflected on, on the plane of time in his life. He, he went to the past plane of his life. And, and he, he said, you know, when I, I decided to study theology, the money that I needed was given to me. When I was in school, any time that I needed tuition, I just called and the money came. Not a day did I have to prove my grades with a report card. When I went to graduate school, according to this young pastor, I I didn't know what my research topic would be. And I spent five months trying to find a research topic, trying to to study, to figure out what I'm going to write about. And I came to the place of being frustrated and giving up on this writing project until one day I'm sitting with a friend and I share my, my, my discontent, my discouragement. And I tell him, listen, I cannot find a topic. He says, why don't you think about this concept? And 180 pages later, I had written a thesis on this concept. And then when I graduated... I didn't know where I would go to work, but there, boom, Indonesia came calling. This young pastor realized that I have no reason to be discontent because I can see that God is leading my life. I can see that God has my back. I can see that God is going to take care of the situation. I have no need to be discontent. You see, we must, we must focus our eyes on what God has done. And you begin to see that God has been so good to me. And this is the essence of the gospel in that while we're yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And that is the past plane of time. You look back 2000 years ago, Jesus died. Look at that and you begin to see God has been so good to me. I should have been lost. I should have been, I should have, I should have gone through difficulties and challenges, but God has not left me. And so my, my friend, listen to me. Anything in your life, if you look at it very carefully, you begin to see God is crafting it. And by the way, All things work together for good to them that love God. So no matter your experience, no matter your existence, no matter how you gauge it on your scale of success or failure, whatever it is, as long as you are a child of God, as long as you're committed to him, as long as you are with him, all of that is good for you. Because God finds a way to work it out in such a way that it turns out to be good. It may not be good to lose a job. It may not be good to be in quarantine. It may not be good to be restricted. But when you consider that everything eventually works out for our good. Hallelujah, somebody. So you have these. These brothers, man, they are discontent, telling Moses, Moses, this is not what we need. And and notice really where they were coming to because they tell Moses, uh, they tell each other. They say, look, man, Moses, I think Moses, Moses is not the guy we need right now. He, he, man, look, look, man, Moses... I don't think Moses is really thinking about our interest. I mean, think about it, man. I mean, you can't ever talk to Moses. You know, he's always in around the tent of meeting. You know what I mean? He's always busy meetings. You know, to reach Moses is very difficult. You know, Moses always spends time in prayer up in the mountain. And remember that when we were having a party, I mean, we were just having a party, man. And and Moses became mad and he killed many of our brothers and sisters. You guys remember that? I don't think... Moses is a leader we need. Now Moses is autocratic. We need to be democratic. We need a leader who's going to listen to us. We need a leader who's going to do our bidding. Moses, mm, that's not the guy that we need. So let us find a leader that's going to suit (laughs) our wishes. A leader that we can tell him, hey brother, remember it is us who put you in leadership therefore you do what we say because moses is not is not the guy so let us find another leader and what they're doing right here in their discontent is that they're rejecting the the, the system of god they're rejecting the man of god they're rejecting the purpose of god for their lives because moses was a man that god said you are going to take people into the promised land but people are saying nah god we, we 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 don't want your plan we don't like that you see because we have to be careful about this because notice when they're choosing a leader they want to go back to egypt they need a leader who will take them back to egypt because in egypt they had set up their 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 lives In Egypt, they had built their homes. In Egypt, they had built their businesses. And so they want to retreat back to their old life. And here is the point. Discontent without a cause can cause a retreat. The city of Jakarta is uh, in retreat right now. Hmm. A virus is not is not letting up. According to the reports, we have uh 20, 7,000. people confirmed infected by coronavirus. Eight thousand four hundred and fifty six deaths up to now. Virus is not letting up and the leadership The local government, the central government believes that we have to to retreat. That's why we're having a second past baby, because we are in retreat mode. And it's understandable because the leaders know that it is better to save lives and maybe to take care of the economy. And so the herd mentality, a lot of those things that people are talking about may not be so visible right now. And so we are in retreat. So I, w- I want to pick it back on that concept and let you know that when you're in discontent, it will cause retreat in your life. It will cause you to go back uh, to the hurtful past. And notice what they say. Let us select a leader to take us back to Egypt. They want to retreat back to their past. Their hurtful past. It seems to me that they are suffering from amnesia. They have already forgotten, Mark, that... Uh, uh, those taskmasters who beat them—they're uh, suffering amnesia. They've forgotten Pharaoh's autocracy. They—they've really forgotten how difficult it was to live in Egypt. They were bullies. They didn't even speak the language of the country. They had to suffer many difficulties and challenges. And so they are saying, we want to go back. We, we want to retreat. We, we want to go back. And the problem is this. You see, people retreat because, listen to this, because of the past, the past is safe. People retreat to the past because what's safe is what's known. Because they believe and live under this idea that the devil you know is better than the angel you do not know. In fact, such people, they are what I call, they are carrying a weight of the past, a weight of the past that impedes their present and their future it's a it's a weight that they carry and it does not help them it actually hinders them it it breaks down their faith it, it does not tone them up it does not shape them up it keeps them locked down and they do not progress because they think that the past is much much better because they think that where they were no matter how hard it was no matter how difficult it was because it's familiar because it's known because it's what they're used to that is what they go back to but the problem is when you go back to the past when you go back to the hurt what you're doing is you are impeding your present and your future and too many of us we are that place impeding our present and our future because we are so stuck in a certain way of thinking we are so stuck in a certain habit we are so stuck with a certain kind of people we are so stuck doing the very same things because that's what we know and it's safe it's what we've grown up on. But unfortunately, I want you to understand that you can never go forward. Your faith can never grow as long as you stick to the past. And here it is. Here it is. Where God, <laughs> where God has brought me and has brought you is better than where God found me and he found you. Hallelujah, somebody. You see, God found them in Egypt. They were under bondage and God took them out of Egypt and brought them to the, to the wilderness, ready to give them the promised land because he knew that it was bad right there. And my brother, my sister, hear me and understand me. If God has taken you from a particular situation, a particular job, a particular relationship or friendship, whatever it is, trust me, you are better today than you were yesterday. <laughs> you are better today than you were in your past. Today, you need to embrace it it may not be comfortable you may have to sweat you may have to put in energy but if god has brought you to a place that is the best place because where god has found you is never good so don't go back because retreat is self-defeat notice the word defeat it eats you defeat retreat retreat eat eat is self-defeat, eat, eat. You're only doing yourself a great disservice if you retreat from the progress which God God has brought you in. And so you and me need to understand that only way we're gonna make it is if we say, forward ever, keep on moving. We we like to say when we're celebrating Indonesian uh, independence, we say, Indonesia Maju, because we believe that we have to continue going forward, never going back never going back it's always about going forward and i want to encourage somebody right here that yes you may be under fire you may be under under difficulty and strain but please do not go back because if you retreat you're only going to suffer self-defeat and god doesn't want us to be defeated god doesn't want us to be destroyed by ourselves and can you imagine that these people are defeating themselves because of the perspective that they had developed because of the thinking that they allowed to settle in their system. And you and me need to learn today that we should not allow this self defeating perspective to be in our system. But when we are struggling with faith, when we are suffering with faith, we need to continue going on because of that is the journey of faith. Because discontentment without a cause is only destroyed by faith, that is how it dies. Your faith is the secret to destroy the spirit of discontentment. And so Moses hears this discontentment, Pastor Johannes. And Moses and Aaron drop to the ground. On their faces. They do not flex the muscles of leadership. They don't. They fall on the ground. This is a position of humility. Can you imagine? They're being complained against and they fall on their face. That is a position of humility and more so it is a position of prayer. In other words, they are seeing that these brothers are suffering the the flu of discontent. What they really need is the prayer of faith. And so Moses and Aaron fall on their face to pray for those who are complaining against them. Because they understand that these brothers are suffering a serious spiritual disease. And this is something that you and me can learn from. That is when we are facing discontentment. Is that we need to fall flat on our face and humble ourselves and go before God and say, You know what, Lord? I am discontent about this and this and this and this. I want to come before you. Please help me out. Because I realize that I'm discontent for nothing. It's a discontent without a cause. And then you see that people around you are discontented. They are complaining They're whatever. The the best thing you can do for them is not to fire back at them. The best thing you can do for them is to tell them, you know what? I'm going to pray for you because what you really need is prayer right now. And so when we want to kill the spirit of discontentment, what we need to do is to enact what I call the prayers of faith. Call upon God so that God can come upon you and help you in your situation and help those around you. Aaron and Moses prayed, but Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, the son of Nun, came before the people. They were ready before the people. And what they did is they tore their clothes. And to tear your clothes simply reflected you were in shock and distress. When Reuben came to the cave and he looked into that empty well, he saw that Joseph is gone and he's been sold as a slave into Egypt. He tore his clothes because he believed that his brother was dead when david heard that saul has been killed by the amalekites so david did not dance he was not happy he tore his clothes because he was in shock and so caleb and 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 joshua they are sad because they realize that death is waiting to happen spiritual death is waiting to happen and not only spiritual death but eventually we discover that these spies were killed right then and there and the people suffered and they died in the wilderness for 40 years and so caleb and and Joshua, they're in shock and they were sad because of this. But notice they were not just sad and in shock. Notice what they say. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceeding good land. They, they utter what I call or they employ what I call the vocabulary of faith. And in fact, they are impressing upon the complainers and the, the discontented of their words that they know to be true. They said the land that we pass through to spy out. The land that God wants to give us is an exceeding good land. Hear me carefully and let me bring it to you. What Caleb and and, and Joshua they are doing is they are trying to change their perspective. The people's perspective. Do not miss this. What that is, when you see bad in your life, when you're about to be discontent, you need to think about the good things that you have. And that is, think about the exceeding good things that God has given to you. So when you're being discontent, you say, Man, I'm discontent with my family. Instead of saying bad things about your family, you start to say, This is an exceeding good family. This is an exceeding good job. This is an exceeding good relationship. This is a good uh, an exceeding good um uh, position. Because when God has given you something, it's good. Because everything that God gives you, is good. God never gives bad. And so the, the, the Caleb and, and Joshua, they're employing what I call the vocabulary of faith. And they're saying, this is a good land. They think about the land, how good it is. And then they tell the people, if the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Right here, I want you to see that Caleb and Joshua, they do something amazing. They're not saying that God has not delighted in them. But they're trying to help them to think, you know, God... If God delights in us, if you really think about it, God has been delighting in us. God has been for us. God has been looking out for us. And if that has been the case, then you and me know that he's actually going to give us the land that flows with milk and honey. The land that is good. So they are saying to them, look, God has made us free. God has done amazing things in the past. It has already happened. And therefore, because it has already happened, we have a sign. We have a a token. We have evidence that it's going to happen again. And so faith looks at what will happen propelled by what has happened. So, yeah, faith allows you to remember Okay, it happened in the past that I was sick, so it'll happen again that I'll get get well. It happened in the past that I reconciled with my brother, it will happen again now. It happened in the past that I was able to, to make it, to finish my report and meet my KPIs, so it will happen Again, faith looks at what has happened, what will happen based upon what has happened. And that is why it is very important never to forget the things that God has done for you in your experience. So if the Lord delights in us, if the Lord delights in you, and I want you to know that the Lord delights in you, you will always succeed and you will not fail. So Caleb says, no, guys, God has got our back. And this is what I want to tell somebody right here, that God has your back it has already happened and it's going to continue to happen. God is going to continue to make it happen. The only thing is this: do not rebel against the Lord. Because the point is this when you are discontent, you're showing a spirit of rebellion. You're saying, God, uh-uh, what you're giving me is not enough. But the point is this, and and, and I love what he says here: do not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Ah. <laughs> Man, let me pause right there. Do not fear the people of the land because they are our bread. Colloquially, we say bread, we call it roti. He's saying the people, they are our roti. They are our food. We should not be afraid of them. He's saying, Caleb and, and, and Joshua are saying, God has given us what is going to sustain us. <laughs> whatever position God puts you in, whatever situation God puts you in, is God's intention to feed you from that situation. And so when God is bringing you and leading you, he's going to take care of your needs and he's going to feed you in that particular situation. And so, and I, I think that right now we are in a situation right now, we need to remember that God is going to take care of our needs. As we're going to be suffering and going through this lockdown again and and not having to move around freely as, as businesses have to close again and restrictions are back. We need to remember that God is going to give us our bread. Our bread and our water is going to be sure. God has your back. God is going to take care of you. Do not retreat because that is self-defeat. Go forward because God is going to take care of you. And I love what Caleb says. He says, their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. What Caleb is saying, we have an advantage. The presence of God. We have a power in the presence of God. And he's saying there is power in presence. We have God on our side. Allow me to sell you the power of presence. We read in Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a, he was a successful man. In Joshua 6, 27, we read, So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all of the country. In Judges 1, verse 19, we read, So the Lord was with Judah and they drove out the mountaineers. In Judges 2 verse 18 we read and when the Lord raised up judges for them the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of their out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. In first Samuel 18 verse 12 now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but he had departed from Saul. God's presence provides the power you need to succeed in life. There is power in God's presence. And if God is with you, and when God is taking care of you, when God is beside you, there is no way that you're going to fail. There is no way that you're not going to succeed. I want you to understand that it is the presence of God that makes all the difference. And Jesus, before he left, earth he said i will be with you even until the end of the age he says i will leave physically but i will not leave spiritually so he left but he never left and that is the blessing of the gospel that is the gospel story that god left heaven to be with us to be by us to guide us so that we never feel like we are alone and i want you to understand that god has not left you god is with you his presence surrounds you all you need to do is to tap into that presence oh i remember one time one time a friend of mine was sick and i needed to pass through a dark alleyway to get to my friend and man in this dark alleyway there were dogs some dogs were chained some dogs were unchained and i also felt like there could be crooked criminals lurking in the dark and so what I did is I went to my boy, my 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 buddy, and I said, hey, bro, I need you to go with me right now. It's about 9, 9.30 p.m. that night. I said, I need you to go with me right now because I need to go take care of this sick friend of mine. And so I'm with my buddy. And because I was with my buddy, because he was present with me, guess what? I did not walk scared. I resurrected myself. I walked. I walked like I had a big chest. He was six-two, taller than me. We are walking uh, side by side, and we are going through this alley. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling swole because that is the power of presence. And God is bigger and taller than my friend. God created the universe. God made everything. And so, when He's by you, you have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to be scared. You have no reason to doubt and to worry. And that is a situation that you and me need to understand. That we need to tap into the presence of God. And when you tap into the presence of God, you come out walking like a lion. <laughs> you come out walking like uh, like Superman. Because God supercharges you. God gives you strength beyond your own strength. God gives you capability beyond your own capability. God gives you things that you never thought you could do. Because that's what the presence of God does. Now notice. Pastor Johannes, notice this. I tapped into my friend because I needed him. But had I not needed him, I wasn't going to ask him to go with me. And that's what we do with the Prince of God. We tap into it when we know we need it. We tap into it when we know that the bills, mm, they're, they're not looking right. We tap into it when there are problems. We tap into it when we're about to take a trip. We tap into it because we we know that we need it. But as long as you tap into God's presence only when you need it, it will never be natural. And sometimes God might be like, hey, my friend, I know you need me right now, but let's come back. But I love God because sometimes even though we don't tap into him, but God is still there for us and guiding us. But we need to learn that the Prince of God should be something that we develop on a daily basis. And so to tap into the Prince of God requires you and me to make a special effort. And interestingly enough that the the text and the passage we're talking about is that it happened at the tent of meeting. Because at the tent of meeting is where they used to go meet God. People would have to go to the tent of meeting, bring in their animals, bring in their sacrifices, because there they were going to meet God. In other words, they had to make an effort in order to meet God. In other words, they had to ensure that they were in the presence of God. In other words, they planned for it. In other words, they did their part to bring the presence of God. So you and me cannot allow ourselves to live a life that we are having hazard about our christian experience we cannot live a life in such a way that we do not know when we pray we do not know when we study we do not know when we get involved we do not know when we encourage somebody we have to put it on our schedule we have to make a plan and say you know what this is time for me to be with god i'm going to connect with god i'm going to take out an hour i'm going to take out a day to fast i'm going to do something to ensure that i have made the effort to be in the presence of god Tap into it. You see, I am never without Wi-Fi or data connectivity. In fact, many of you are just like that. I have Wi-Fi in my place and I have data on my phone. And the moment I come into my apartment, I got Wi-Fi. The moment I leave, I got data. I'm always connected because I plan for it. And that's what you and me need to do is that we need to plan for it. We need to be in the presence of God. And notice what happens that when when Caleb tells the people, listen, let's not go back. Let's not retreat. Notice what the text says. The text says, and all the congregation wanted to stone them with stones. In other words, they wanted to kill them. You know, for somebody to get stoned with stones, it meant that they had done something terrible like worshiping another idol or they had um been disrespectful to a parent but here these brothers are about to get stoned gun not for disrespecting a parent not for worshiping an idol but they're about to get stoned because they have said let's stand up in faith let's not retreat let's not go back so they're about to be stoned because of their faith let me just put this out there for you not everybody is happy with your story of faith. Not everybody is happy when you tell them believe in God. Because some people, they are ready to stone you. But that's a sermon for another day. But here is a beautiful thing. As they're about to be stoned, the text says, And the glory of the Lord. <laughs> the glory of the Lord appeared. Appeared right there and there. This was God's uh, brightness. And I imagine that it it, it it surrounded them like a bubble. Moses. Aaron, Caleb and Joshua, it surrounded them and when those people went to throw those stones, the stones hit the bubble and they bounced back and they fell because the presence of God was right there protecting them and that's the power of the presence of God because God is that great. God is that awesome. He will not allow you to be destroyed. He will not allow you to be hurt or harmed. He will take care of you. He will be with you. Do not fear. Just tap into the power of his presence. We know that Steve Jobs is, um, is a great man. He built Apple to be this trillion dollar company. And, and, and the glory of Apple is so good that Apple does not establish stores just anywhere. There is no Apple store in Indonesia, unless there's one that has come. There is no Apple store. If you want to go to the Apple store, you need to go to Singapore or Hong Kong or those other places. Not right here in Indonesia, though a lot of people in Indo like cell phones. Isn't that right, Pastor Johannes? They like those iPhones. But unfortunately, the glory of Apple has never descended on Indonesia. We just have a little glory in iBox and other places. Those are retailers and resellers, not, not the real Apple store. But I'm so glad that God is not Apple. God brings his glory for you, the very best that he has for you. You are not too little for God to give you the full resources that he has. And so when you claim the promises of God, when you claim his presence, God is there to give you his presence. And today somebody needs to believe me. God is with you. God will go with you. God is by you. Do not be discouraged. Today he can stand by you. You simply need to say, God, I want you. God, I need you. Because you realize that there is power in presence. You realize that you cannot do without God. Now, one thing that I love about insurance is that uh, insurance companies, what they do is they have a deal with you. you pay, they pay 80% and you simply give 20%. You pay 20%, they pay 80%. What this means is this. With God, we have to give him our 20%. That it is time to pray. That it's time to invest in a relationship with him. That it's time to be around him. Because you realize the power in presence. And when you tap, you give your 20%. God will gladly give you the 80%. And that is what I'm here to tell you today. Can we give God our 20%? Invest in God. In our relationship with him. And the more we do that, you begin to see, oh my goodness... Oh my goodness, God is too great. God is too awesome. And things are going to change. I don't know about you, but this week I want to invest my 20% in the presence of God. Because I know I cannot do without the presence of God. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, we need your presence. We need your power. Please, Lord, help us to tap into it. That we may be strengthened by it. Challenge us, Lord, to be better and to do better. Because without you, we cannot do anything in this world. More than ever, Father, we need you as we are struggling with Pez baby, as we're going to struggle with being at home and things have to shut down again. We need your presence. Our power will come in that. Help us, Lord, to seek it and help us to find it. We appreciate you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.